a critical item for anybody who's in a support organization, anybody who's in IT, you have to make that investment to really try to understand and empathize with your customer. And that's what lets you unlock the items that would be truly valuable for you to spend your time on to help your customer. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Chris Josephy, Director of Applications and Data for the Houston Astros. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. It's busy to start the season, but after last year, I'm definitely happy to be busy because we have fans coming to our stadium, so that's a great thing. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, super glad to hear that and fantastic to have you on the show. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of simplifying operations to better protect employees, customers, and in your case, fans. But before we begin, can you set the context and tell our listeners about your background and your role with the Houston Astros? Sure. So I think I kind of hit the Houston trifecta so far. So I started out of college at the space shuttle program, working with NASA, and then I went into oil and gas for 12 years, supporting a broad range of business functions, both in the office and out in our field. And then I came to the Astros about two years ago to start up a formalized business applications, data, and analytics support team. That is definitely the the trifecta there. (laughs) All right, excellent. Well, let's jump into it. How does your team support the day-to-day operations of the Astros? So I learned that in sports, IT teams are very small. So I'm used to coming from a slightly bigger organization. And, you know, the Astros never had a formal application support function. They never had anybody who was designed to look across all of our various business areas, understand our business processes, kind of connect all the dots between all of our different systems, making sure that we have the right systems in place, that they're working well. And that's pretty important for us because I heard you say in our our little pre-meeting that you're a big fan of the Astros. So you'll know that in 2013, we were terrible. And in that year, we had (laughs) 1.6 million fans come into the building. And in 2019, when I started that full year, we had 2.9 million fans come into the building. So that's pretty close to double. We'll just say it's double. And so when you go from, you know, kind of worst to best, a lot of the processes, a lot of the systems that you put in place when you're not busy and don't have as many fans don't scale up. And so it's very important, you know, for our team to try to fill in the gaps there to make sure that the things that we have in place work just as well when you have nearly 3 million fans as they did when you had, you know, one and a half million fans. And so that involves a little bit of everything. I have a hard time sometimes explaining to people what I do. Like my daughter doesn't necessarily understand. She's 12. I just tell her I do everything, <laughs> uh, which is a little bit, a little bit of an exaggeration, but we do have our hands in pretty much everything it takes to run both the baseball team and the building that we operate in for the most part. So just like every other business, back a house, finance, HR, those kind of things that every business is going to have. But then we also have the things that are unique to running a baseball team, ticket sales, retail, working with our concessionaire, ballpark entertainment, security, all sorts of stuff. And we don't just manage the Astros. We have three minor league teams mm. and a spring training facility. And we also run the Houston Open PGA golf tournament. So we kind of have a, a wide variety of support areas as well. 
Wow. Well, yeah, you're right. Scale is definitely important. If you try to put things together with duct tape, the duct tape starts breaking. So <laughs> super important that you build systems that will scale, but that can lead to a lot of complexity. So what are some of the ways that your team removes that friction or complexity from your processes to make sure that it's easy to go forward with that scale? I would say the, the first step was really to make sure things actually work. It sounds a little bit basic, but when I showed up, there was kind of some rapid stabilization that was needed. And the reason that's important, especially in, in IT is, you know, we often want to jump to kind of these wonderful optimizations and all these ideas. We could do this, we could do that, we could help you with this. And, but, you know, as a support organization, if your customer doesn't have a belief in the kind of core capabilities, they're not as likely to go along with you in some of these aspirational items. So, you know, I remember having conversations around, oh, we, we could optimize your, you know, inbound sales process. And they said, well, I'd like to just be able to receive inbound calls, which <laughs> wasn't a common problem, but it, it did happen at, at the time. So really the, the kind of the first step was that rapid stabilization. We actually ripped out our call center software that we were using and went to a simpler calling solution to alleviate kind of some of the complexity around receiving calls, which is a pretty basic function for us, standardized our kind of retail and CRM platforms. And so once you do all that, then we can kind of attack kind of our key pillars of how we enable our business, which is connecting people with the data that they need, when and how they need it. So that, that would involve the complete replacement of our data and analytics platform and completely redoing all of our reporting around retail, ticketing, sales, finance, you name it. We replaced 100% of the reporting and analytics that we had in place the day that I showed up here. And then a lot of work on removing the human element or the unnecessary human element from some of our processes, like simple things like lost and found. I remember coming here and meeting with our guest services team on the second day I was here and they showed me our lost and found and they showed me a big thick stack of driver's licenses. And I said, oh, wow. how long did it take for people to lose those? They said that was this weekend. Whoa. So <laughs> you can imagine, you know, at the time in 2019, we're doing 30,000 plus people a game. They lose a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. So you want to make sure that process of them reporting the lost item, getting through to our guest services, tracking, getting that returned, all of that needs to work efficiently. And things like that involved a pretty heavy human element when I got here in terms of them having to, you know, log into a system to get the request, log into another system to log the request, just a lot of kind of unnecessary work of people having to go point A to point B. So we've tried to remove the humans connect the dots with automation as much as possible and all sorts of those little processes. But as you know, those little things add up. Every little bit of time that we can remove from our guest services team having to do that kind of stuff, it's more time they can spend focused on the guests, which is ultimately, you know, we're in the business of making people happy and coming to our building and watching our baseball team hopefully makes people happy. And that's a cool business to be in. So we want our team to spend as much time doing that as, as possible. And then the third pillar is kind of increasing the speed and quality of our interactions with our customers. So that means when an existing season ticket holder calls in to our, our services team, that the services team has all the information in front of them immediately that they need to understand this customer, you know, what games have they attended, you know, other things about them that help us provide better service to them, more personalized service so that they know that, you know, how truly valuable they are. So yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, simplicity, access, and automation. That really sums it up. Fantastic. What would you say that the work that your team does, how does it impact the fan experience? I hope that they don't think about us 
as an IT function. <laughs> right. Usually when people pay attention to IT, it's for the wrong reasons. Something is not working. I can tell you I have oh, yeah. a lot more sympathy for anyone who works in retail. When I go into other businesses or the airport or something like that, and I watch them struggle with the register, with the credit card machine, I have so much more empathy than I had before I took this job because we run a large retail operation. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I kind of divide it into, you know, there's game day and there's not game day. On a game day right now, the first few games, we could have over 20,000 people in the building. We're running about 50% capacity right now of the facility. And so you want to make sure, have we communicated our policies and procedures and the things that are different this year to the fans, both in advance are we presenting it to them on their way into the building clearly so that when they reach the entrance that they know exactly what we expect of them and what they should expect from us so that that process goes smoothly? Are our ticket scanners working well? Are we able to understand what's happening at our gates, respond in real time, make sure we've deployed the right resources to those gates to facilitate the most efficient entry. And then as for our fans on our staff side, we have probably over a hundred full-time staff who work any given game and hundreds more part-time staff, both our team and also our concessionaire, getting them into the building safely and efficiently is very important. So are we supporting that check-in process? Do we know who is supposed to be in the building that they're verified to work that day, that they meet all the right background information that we need for them to come into the building to know that these these are proper people to come into the building. Have we communicated with our part-time staff all of the important information about the given game? You know, what the giveaway is, what time, you know, this the warm-ups are going to occur, any various thing. You know, what's the theme for our Friday night fireworks? People want to know what kind of songs we're going to be playing that, that huh. night. Making sure our team has that information that they can then, because they get asked by the fans, and we want to make sure they're prepared to answer those questions as well as possible. Like I said, retail, we have nine retail stores inside our building, over 45 point-of-sale machines. We had to replace all of our barcode scanners recently to make sure they could scan off of a mobile phone. That wasn't a oh, wow. problem we had when we used to have paper tickets. Yep. And then, you know, we have a pretty heavy component around our first aid command center, making sure all of their operations and the systems we put in place for them work well so that, you know, no one ever sees them, hopefully, but they're all behind the scenes watching the building, dispatching items that need to be dealt with, whether that's cleanup on main concourse with a mop or it's a unruly fan or whatever that might be. You want to make sure that they have the right things in place to make sure that's running well. So I've spent a lot of time walking around the concourse during games, just observing, seeing what people are doing. It's kind of not a scientific thing, but yeah. you know, just to see where are fans lined up, where are the pain points, you know, wh what are they doing? How is our staff interacting with them? It's all, it's very important to try to understand that because you know, there's a lot of little things that can impact the fan experience that you might not realize if you're not kind of trying to experience the game as a fan every once in a while. That's right. That's right. Well, you mentioned it before, the pandemic, other than having nobody for a while and now going up to 50% capacity, what's changed for your team since the pandemic? Like, have you put any new systems in place to better protect your people and fans? Tell me more about that. Yeah, we pretty early on, I mean, we, we had somewhat of a unique situation. This building isn't designed to be vacant for long stretches of time. So even when the pandemic first hit, we had a few people who needed to be here on a somewhat regular basis just because this building requires some care and feeding. It's only 20 years old, but it's a big place and, yeah. and you know it's got some things that need a little care and feeding for it. So really early on, I'd say May of 2020, we built our own 
entry system. At the time, none of the vendors that we knew of had what we needed from being able to ask the right, you know, COVID questionnaire, providing kind of approvals or rejections, depending on your answers to that system properly, you know, verifying people have filled out that questionnaire before we let them into the building. Because we weren't sending employees through an entry system before that, right? right. We've got an access card. We can scan ourselves into the building 24 hours a day. We had to switch to a process where every single person coming into the building needs to be pre-screened for these health questions. Security needs to verify that they're approved. They should be there. So we've built this whole system ourselves. Wow. Maybe we should sell it. But <laughs> I think vendors have since have since come out with, you know, add-ons and things onto some of the existing systems that are out there to, to handle yeah. that kind of stuff. But we did it ourselves. I mean, that's been, it's worked really well. We've had over 65,000 people come in through that system since May of 2020. This was focused only on employees, contractors, the types of visitors we had. This is not fan facing at all. Sure. And so that that was a pretty big win for us. And then as we got closer to having fans, we tried to implement some cashless type items. So that's the ability to convert cash into a card, those kind of kiosks that I think are popping up over different places nowadays, mobile food ordering. We actually, you know, it's funny, like retail, like the credit card swiping machine, you can tell that whether or not to ask for the pin when you swipe a card. Right. Obviously, it's cheaper to run it as a debit. It's why everybody asks for your pin because you save yep. a few percent. But if you don't want people to have to touch your little device, you can tell it never to ask for the pin and then they don't have to touch it. So we actually did that for a period of time. I think we turned it back on because we wanted to get that percent. But you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, people didn't know. We were trying to make as, everything as touch-free as possible. So no more peanut guy walking around tossing peanuts. No, they they are. I don't know if they toss it. I haven't seen them <laughs> toss it, but they do have, we still have hawkers and they still, they have mobile devices now too. So yeah, they don't accept cash. They, wow. They're able to accept cards, which is a whole nother training and, and implementation challenge because that's a pretty big change from an entirely cash yeah. business to a ability to select mobile. I don't think, you know, you used to pass the cash down the, the aisle. Right. I'm, I'm not sure that, I don't think people are passing their card down the aisle, but <laughs> yeah. But they are they are doing that. And then we, we made a pretty big investment in our exterior signage, being very deliberate about how we thought about the information we are presenting to people as they walk up to the building, when they get to the building. We implemented a bunch of kind of dynamic QR codes. So those are QR codes that, you know, obviously the signage remains unchanged. We can change whatever the QR code is pointing to on demand. Right, so right. information about that day's game, special ticket offers for that day's game. I mean, we're able to do all this work so that, you know, whatever, whenever they scan it, whatever day it is, it's going to give them the right information and we can change that all out behind the scenes. But we've done a pretty big investment in that, making sure that it's wherever people park as they're walking up, they're going to see information tailored to the moment. You know, when they're in the parking lot, they see a certain set of information. When they get next to the building, they see different information. Hopefully, we're communicating really well to them as they come up. Right. I mean, that's that's an enormous amount of change that both your team and organization had to digest, as well as your customers and fan base. And now that we're well into baseball season and you've seen thousands of people coming in and out of the facilities, how's everything working out? Are there any lessons learned that you can share with our audience about doing such wholesale change so quickly? When we replaced our incident management system, I would say it was a disaster. <laughs> But it was a one-day disaster, and I'll, I can take culpability for this. We had an incident management system in place for a number of years and a team that was very comfortable with it, and we switched it out for our help desk system. And we had been running it since January. We had training, documentation. We had some simplified workflows of how to enter the incidents into it, and it had been using it actively. But what we weren't prepared for was 
April 8th, which was our first home game. Yeah. And the amount of incidents that occurred within a short period of time kind of overwhelmed the way the system was built in terms of efficient entry. Mm. So the velocity of issues meant that the team was not able to enter them quickly and easily enough using the new system. And we also had multiple parties at that time. We have you know, facilities group, first aid, we have police, we have, you know, a bunch of different teams all using this system at the same time to kind of create and dispatch issues around the building. So that was a painful experience. I was actually in the command center that day watching the work that we did as an IT team kind mm -hmm. of fall flat on its face. The good news is we spent the next 24 hours basically rebuilding the front end of that and simplifying it and kind of taking the lessons learned of how it was being used. And we had it revamped by the next game, which was the next night. Wow. And we went back into the command center. We sat down with every single person who was using it, went through the new way of, of how they could enter the incidents into the system. And it was kind of a 180, basically. So after that game, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of people very happy with how simple and easy it was to enter and dispatch out of the system. So it was a uh, 24 hours of a lot of pain and we, we caused pain for the people who work in that command center temporarily, but hopefully we came out of it stronger. So I guess the lesson learned there is it's very difficult to prepare for 20,000 people in a building when you haven't run that building with people in it since I think our last major event was January, 2020, the Royal Rumble was here. So that's a long time to go without having to kind of operate the building at any sort of capacity. And it was a painful experience to start that up. Yeah. Designing for scale is a very difficult problem. Everything looks good in theory, but then when you start getting out there and you see the volumes coming through, only then do the problems get exposed. So I think you're right. You have to not be afraid to do something, but then also be ready to pivot quickly and learn from your failure as quickly as possible. Failure is not bad if you look at it in a positive light and that it exposes the things that you're supposed to now change. And clearly you guys took that to heart and within 24 hours, you fixed it. So that's, that's great. <laughs> I, I used to joke with people on my team, you know, in IT, you can create a problem that only you can solve. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a good, it's not a good thing or, or a way to operate yourselves, but it is sometimes the way that it works. If people forget that you created the problem, they just, they only remember the solution. That's Hopefully right. that doesn't happen too much. <laughs> Well, we often talk about communication on this show. It's near and dear to my heart and all about the importance of it, how to communicate quickly and effectively and similar topics. In your mind, how does communication factor into your overall efforts to both simplify and streamline operations? Well, I mentioned the command center and part of our motivation about switching to our help desk system was to integrate what was going on in that command center into our overall processes. So we already had a number of teams in our help desk system, obviously IT, engineering, HR, a few different teams. And so the desire was to put even more into that so that we have a centralized hub of all of the things that are going on in this building. So that, you know, whether it's a chair that needs to be fixed, if it happens during a game, it's not in one system. And if it happens not during a game, it's in a different system. We want it all to be in one system to be able to right. track everything that's happening in this building, track it in one place so that the visibility is there for people. And it also facilitates communication because with multiple teams in there, you're able to assign work effectively to other teams within the system that they're already used to working in. So that's helped us streamline communications of incidents in the building. Other things that we've done are around communicating to our staff. The most recent example, we had a big freeze 
I guess everybody had this big freeze. I, I don't really, <laughs> right. I can't remember now how, how widespread it was, but it was in February. And in Houston, it was a big deal because we like to shut down if there's any ice anywhere. And so obviously that was a pretty extreme freeze and the office was shut down, you know, issues with water pressure, issues with pipes burst in the office. And so to be able to communicate out to our employees, don't come into work you know, make sure you stay safe, stay home, let us know where you are. We do have a system in place from Alert Media to do that. But when we first got that in 2019, one of the choices we made was for the command center, we wanted to, again, simplify how they're able to communicate out to employees. And so we've created a, basically a console for them that has simple buttons that are match our templates of incidents. So things I don't want to talk about, like active shooter, chemical sure. release, you know, things that, that we have to consider doing what we're doing, but other things like fire alarm, you know, those kind of things. We created a console for them so that they've got a screen that's always up. If one of those things happens, they just have to press one button and it's integrated into the alert media system and it sends out those notices to the staff. When I say one button, it's actually two things. They do have to confirm that they want to send it. They can't just accidentally sure. press it and send it out. But just to simplify their view of things. And we also created a similar item, which was a simplified mobile version of this for our certain people like our head of building operations, head of security, that kind of stuff. So that if they needed to send alerts out to the staff, they can do it within a very simple kind of, again, another one-click kind of mobile app that we wrapped around some of the integration that we have with Alert Media. So those were good tools to have in place to keep us in communication with our staff. And hopefully we make them or we amplify the simpleness of them for the staff that has to use them. Yeah, it's so critical just to recognize that communication is incredibly important, especially during stressful emergency type incidents. Not only are people anxious, but they don't know what to do and they become essentially ineffective at their jobs. But the faster you can communicate with them to let them know what's going on, the more they become productive again, and they're able to basically can have better outcomes. And if you make that really simple to do, people are more likely to communicate and then have better outcomes because they're communicating with people. So it's a self-fulfilling thing. Absolutely. Well, we're running out of time here, and we typically like to close out each episode just by asking our guests to give the listeners a piece of advice or a best practice they can use to immediately make a difference in their organization. So in your mind, what can the audience do today to help improve their company's overall safety or security? I think you have to invest your time in understanding the pain points of your business, understanding their processes. You can't just assume that, you know, you understand things or have a simple conversation and then go and design solutions for people. I think you've really got to dig in, kind of spend a day in the life, multiple days in the life. I know in my time in oil and gas, I spent a lot of time riding around in trucks out in the middle of nowhere, Utah, because that was the only way to really understand the processes that were happening out in that area and also understand what the interaction with technology was really like, because it's easy to sit in the office and have a system and look at it and say, this works great. Everything's perfect. And then you see it in use in the actual situations in which it's supposed to be used. And you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize these problems. I didn't understand how they actually were using it. You know, in a truck, for example, I didn't realize that they don't like having a laptop that they have to pick up off of the seat. We didn't have mounts for their laptops. It was a whole thing. Mm. That's out in the field. It's a little bit easier in a situation like we're at where we have a building to run, but at the same time, you have to make that investment. I mean, during that Royal Rumble I mentioned, we sat in the command center for most of the time of that event, just observing, just understanding, asking questions, trying to see how things were, were really working. And that's a critical 
item for anybody who's in a support organization, anybody who's in IT, you have to make that investment to really try to understand and empathize with your customer. And that's what lets you unlock the items that would be truly valuable for you to spend your time on to help your customer. All right. Well, excellent. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate all your time, expertise, and advice. And if anyone out there listening has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? I guess just look me up on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Chris Josephy on LinkedIn, so I should be pretty easy to easy to find on there. There won't be any confusion, not a common name. So just look me up on there. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.